from ABC7 New York, this is Eyewitness News Extra Time. And good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Eyewitness News Extra Time. I'm Bill Vitter. We're going to begin with that fast-moving development in a story we have been closely following. A teenager suspected in a string of shootings in Midtown Manhattan is now in police custody. He's been arrested. U.S. Marshals picking up the 15-year-old in Yonkers today. He came to New York City recently from Venezuela. Newscopter 7 over the scene where the marshals found him. Again, this was in Yonkers. Cops say the teenager opened fire after a security guard confronted him at a clothing store last night in Times Square. The guard suspected him of shoplifting. Cops say the teenager fired his gun again, this time at a cop in Midtown who was trying to stop him. What a story. Eyewitness News reporter Jim Dolan with the details. Less than 24 hours later, he's locked up and off our streets. Considering where these shootings took place, it's an actual miracle that we're not having a very different conversation right now. Keep an eye on that man in the white jacket. He's just been stopped by a security guard at a Times Square retail store when he pulls a 40 caliber handgun from beneath his jacket and fires, hitting not the security guard, but a 38-year-old tourist from Brazil. I heard a very loud noise, Taliel Ribeiro Lemos says. It was so loud, I thought it was a bomb. I lost my hearing. Ms. Lemos knew right away she'd been hit, but wasn't sure where. I started to feel my body to figure out where the pain was coming from, she said, and I realized there was blood running down my leg under my pants. She said she could feel the pain in her knee. She never saw the gunman, who police have now identified as a 15-year-old recent migrant from Venezuela, whose name we will not use here because he's a juvenile. He was tracked down and arrested in Yonkers late this afternoon. My concern, our concern, the community's concern is to take this armed juvenile off the streets. And they did just that just a couple of hours ago, arresting that 15-year-old who was armed with a 40 caliber handgun. Ms. Lemos is a mom. She says she really likes New York, has been here a couple of times before, and would like to come back. In Times Square, Jim Dolan, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Less than 24 hours to get the guy. Mm -hmm. uh, let's switch gears now. And it's time for the AccuWeather forecast. And it's not just any forecast because it's the weekend here at Lee Goldberg. And we've had this great week of sunshine. And it's going to be different next week. Yeah, we're just kind of running out of steam here. So mm -hmm. you'll see a little blemish here and there in the weekend forecast as we wind down this mild, beautiful stretch. And the first thing is, is we lose that abundant sunshine that has just been an ample supply all week long. We add some clouds to the mix. Not much rain. There might be a shower or a spotty shower during the day on Saturday, but otherwise a mainly dry weekend and two more days in the 50s. Tomorrow feels warmer than it does on Sunday. So we're at 48 degrees. And when you consider our normal daytime high this time of year is 41, and we're going to have this nice mild Friday evening where we probably don't go down any lower than 44 to 46 during the overnight hours. So we're mild both days of the weekend, but the sunshine will be limited. The one adjustment to the forecast from yesterday is that Sunday we're going to have a tougher time clearing out. I mean, there will be filtered sun, but there are more clouds in the mix. There might be an isolated shower tomorrow morning, a better chance tomorrow afternoon and evening, especially north and west. And then next week, it's all about this Monday night into Tuesday storm. And then what it does to us in terms of our weather pattern, it just sends us back into more of a wintry feel. 
So clouds have been spilling in at times. What's happening is a warm front's actually moving through. So our wind's going to go southwest. That means our temperatures are not going to drop very much tonight. And then the cold front, which is pretty moisture starved, just kind of creeps eastward and it doesn't get here until tomorrow night. So there might be a shower with that. Meanwhile, you have this stream of tropical Pacific moisture going into the southern tier of the United States and all this Pacific energy coming out of the jet stream diving south into that and ultimately low pressure is going to form right here and start to take a track near us and probably just to our south. That's important because it keeps us on the colder side of the storm. But the tough part of the forecast is we're coming into this storm with temperatures in the 50s. So how are we going to create snow? Well, the one way you do that is if a storm intensifies in a hurry as it hits the coast and we think that'll happen for some of the area. In the short term, we just have partly to mostly cloudy skies during the overnight. Again, clouds limiting sunshine tomorrow, seasonably cold in the morning, even above normal. And then how about mid and upper 50s during the day? Areas that see a little bit more sunshine, especially south and west of New York City, could touch the 60 degree mark. By late day, there's a broken line of showers reaching the Poconos and Catskills. They're likely to survive across the Hudson Valley, Connecticut, maybe even the north shore of the island. Could a couple showers get into New York City late day in the evening? Not out of the question. After that, see how the clouds are slow to clear. Instead of this nice clearing with the front, the front hangs out offshore. Clouds ride along it, so you'll have high clouds on Sunday. Ultimately, some mid-level clouds too, but I think at least will be partly to mostly cloudy at times. Brightest part of the day may actually be later on. We'll hover around 50 or 52 that day. Then the storm coming in from the south and west. It's rain coming in Monday night, but snow well north and west. And as the storm intensifies, the rain snow line collapses toward the coast and we finish the snow on Tuesday morning. The good news is it's a quick mover. It doesn't have much time to do the dirty work and it brings in cold air behind it. However, it's time poorly right in that Tuesday morning commute. So figure lighter accumulation, slushy, a lot of colder surfaces, city near my northwest suburbs. And then once you get to northwest New Jersey into the Hudson Valley, this is where we can get a significant significant snowfall and travel problems, maybe some school delays or cancellations here, could go double digit totals in the Poconos and Catskills. A pair of fours tonight, not bad for February, up to 59 tomorrow, despite the fact there are more clouds, just a spot shower. Then tomorrow night down to 46, an evening shower, and then mostly cloudy. Here's your seven day. Mild for the Lunar New Year, mild for Super Bowl Sunday, maybe feels a little cooler though. Rain and snow wait till Monday night, an AccuWeather alert for Tuesday morning, and then chilly weather falls for Valentine's Day and beyond. I'll have an updated snowfall map on Eyewitness News at 11. Bill? All right, we'll see you then. Thank you, Lee. President Biden facing some tough criticism. This after a report by the special counsel on his handling of classified documents. The report revealed the president will not face charges, but... It also took aim at his age and his memory. The assertions that Mr. Biden is elderly and forgetful are igniting now a political firestorm that could spread to the presidential election. And in fact, it already is spreading there. ABC's Perry Rossum joins us now live from Washington, D.C. And I think, Perry, that a lot of people have been thinking about this quietly and now maybe not so quietly. Well, they're thinking about it right now, Bill. This has become the story in Washington. Both Democrats and Republicans are trying to get ahead of this and control the narrative. The White House fighting back against the special counsel's report over President Biden's handling of classified documents. Robert Hur's report describing Biden's recollection as painfully slow and his memory hazy. The way that the president's demeanor in that report was characterized could not be more wrong on the facts and clearly politically motivated. In the report released yesterday, her, a Trump appointee, writes, Biden would likely present himself to a jury as he did during our interview of him as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. 
Her adds, Biden did not remember within several years when his son Bo died. I don't need anyone to remind me when he passed away or passed away. How in the hell dare he raise that? Today, the debate over Biden's mental sharpness taking over Capitol Hill. House Republican leadership calling the president unfit for the Oval Office. Democratic Senator John Fetterman says the report was smear and cheap shots. I don't think anyone's going to remember, oh, charges weren't brought. They will remember the language that Robert Hur used. The mental competency of both Biden and former President Trump continues to be questioned. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley on Fox News. The party that gets rid of their 80-year-old candidate is going to be the party that wins. Biden is 81. Trump is 77. Because I'm the most qualified person in this country to be president of the United States and finish the job I started. And the president was clearly bothered by this last night, calling that news conference last minute. He says his memory is fine, Bill. You know, he, I, I wonder how many people in the staff there are, are wondering whether maybe he shouldn't have pulled that back. He was very angry, emotional, and people liked that, I think, because it was real. But, you know, he said some things and made some mistakes that just, you know, made the, made the situation a little bit worse. And here's the question, too. We know the legal team for Biden knew about this entire report on Monday, and he had two news conferences yesterday. The first one where he did not mention memory at all. The second one was almost like a cleanup duty, and they're still cleaning up today, Bill, likely, and over the next few days. You know, the truth is, on all this, this has been an issue. Two elderly presidential candidates, for a long time it's happened. It's a little late to change anything, I think. Time is of the essence right now, Bill, but we are not hearing any rumors of anything happening. It seems like right now they are just trying to craft a message for the next few months into the general election. Okay. Thank you very much. I really appreciate all your uh, insight and your taking time to report for us tonight here at Extra. Thank you very much. Okay. Let's go right to uh, the Middle East. Uh, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu today giving orders for the Israeli military to prepare to evacuate all of Rafah. Uh, this is ahead of an expected Israeli ground invasion. An estimated one and a half million Palestinians now in this southern Gaza city. Many of them moved when the IF, IDF told them to evacuate the northern area sometime before. Israel says that after more than four months of war, Rafah is the last remaining Hamas stronghold in Gaza. We'll keep you posted, of course. Now to the special election in New York to fill the seat once held by indicted and expelled Republican Congressman George Santos. Both candidates for District, district 3 cast their ballots today in what's called early voting. Republican Mazi Pilip is voting today, as you see her right there in Massapequa, Nassau County. She's running against Democrat Tom Swazi. Pilip uh, insists she will be strong on border security while trying to reduce taxes. This is about saving our country. This is about taking our country to the right direction. Mr. Swazi voted this afternoon in another part of the 3rd District, Glen Cove, Nassau County. That's where he used to be mayor. He was also a congressman from District 3 area. He, but he gave up his seat to unsuccessfully run for New York governor back in 2022. You know, people want to return to sanity, somebody that they can trust to get things done. That district, by the way, stretches from eastern Queens right through Nassau County on Long Island. Voting wraps up on Tuesday with the winner serving the final year of Santos's terms. Meanwhile, under the heading reimagining fire hydrants and imagine this taking a fire hydrant and expanding it. So it's also a water fountain. 
Still helping first responders put out fires, of course, but also providing drinking water for people in the nation's biggest city. Now, some cities in Canada already are doing this. And now, in New York, a pilot program to see if it'll work here. Drink up. Here's Live News News reporter Pedro Rivera. They've been seen in Canadian cities like Toronto, Montreal, and Edmonton and could soon pop up in New York City. We have a great need to for access to clean drinking water in public spaces. So City Council member Eric Botcher introduced legislation Thursday that'll convert some fire hydrants into free, dual-purpose water refill stations. In a city where we have some of the best drinking water in the planet, it comes, in, comes right from the Catskill Mountains. So we should really be encouraging New Yorkers to drink tap water. The pilot program would retrofit five fire hydrants in each of the five boroughs, operating seasonally from April to September. Botcher believes the stations would help wean New Yorkers from overconsuming single-use plastic bottles. They anticipate that by the year 2050, there will be more plastic than fish in our oceans. And New York is contributing to this problem. But would anyone actually use the stations? I wouldn't trust it. Keep your bottle of water and be safe. With such filth, the carbon monoxide and everything coming out of the cars, I, I really just don't think it's good here. I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't drink out of a, a fountain on the in the park, let alone on the street. But dog owners I spoke with, like Nancy Berlin, are open to the idea. People need this, if, especially the summers are so hot, so we need to hydrate. And Rafaela agrees. This will be really good, right, Rafi? Yes. <laughs> now, we don't know exactly how much this will cost, but the FDNY tells us they do plan on working with Botcher and the Department of Environmental Protection on this project moving forward. If the legislation is approved, we could see this pilot program go into effect by the end of the year. On the Upper West Side, I'm Pedro Vera, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Of course, we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, the New York City Council also considering a bill that would ban certain types of laundry and dishwashing pods, you know, those little round things like right there. The bill would ban pods or sheets that contain polyvinyl alcohol. The bill's sponsors say it's a type of plastic that is polluting U.S. waterways. Companies argue the plastics are biodegradable and they say they're safe for the environment. And now this, a man captured on camera, literally skating on thin ice. This happened at a harbor in Oslo, Norway. The spunky skater Looks like he enjoyed his solo ice capade. He certainly had a nice view all to himself, and he looks dry. But there's no word on how he got out there to his own private ice flow without ending up sopping wet. Maybe he helicoptered in. I don't know. But what did he do after he decided to hang up his skates? He didn't swim out there because it's still pretty cold in Iceland and Norway. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know what? It's a sports question, and that's why Anthony Johnson is going <laughs> to deal with sports as we continue with Iowa News Extra Time after this quick break. Hi, everyone. Welcome to 7 Sports Plus on Extra Time. I'm Anthony Johnson. A busy week in sports, including both the Knicks and Nets making moves at the trade deadline. We also spoke to Giants defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence about turning the clothing culture around in big blue. But first, our sports shorts. The Knicks have cooled off a bit, dropping two of their last three as injuries mount. And former Mets general manager Billy Epler is in hot water with Major League 
League Baseball getting suspended for the season for deliberately fabricating injuries on the injured list to create more roster spots. And Super Bowl weekend finally here. Chiefs and 49ers facing off in Las Vegas on Sunday for football's ultimate prize. Giants defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence gave us his thoughts on the Super Bowl. He's also taking part in a big and tall fashion show tomorrow, showing us all exactly why they call him Sexy Dexy. At the end of the day, 70% of all Americans in this country is considered, you know, plus size or curvy. So what they want to do is that they want to see more representation um, from the fashion industries and from different ads and whatnot to see what is realistic. They want to see that um, in the fashion show. They want to see that on the billboard. They want to see that in the ads as well, too. We're trying to promote that more and more. I worked with um, Armani and uh, Zinnia, um, but everything was custom. Like, it took almost a year, not like probably like six months to a year for everything to come in. And, you know, I was their first ever, like, plus size guy. So, like, just bring it. So, me stepping forward and being able to do this, uh, I started a little earlier with those brands, but that kind of got my mind working. Like, why, why isn't, you know, I always had this problem my whole life. And why isn't it been, I'm um, 26 now. It's like, well, haven't things have changed? Why haven't we got more, gotten more, more attention to it? Yeah. So obviously I'm, I'm trying to do my part. And now I'm a part, you know, these two guys right here put me a part of this big, bigger picture organization. And I'm, I'm loving it so far. Another thing I notice about big and tall fashions, they're a little bit more pricey than what you might get in normal clothes. So what do you think what you guys are trying to do? Is it going to make it so that everybody can go ahead and get in on this? I feel like, um, for example, you got DXL, who's the biggest big and tall retailer in America, and their clothes are a little pricier. Um, but the thing is, we have the income, we have that buying power. They're not giving us a chance. They're not marketing towards us. So you can't, you know, say that there's no market. No, no market for it when you're not, you know, trying to reach out to this. So we have people all the time, where did you get that? Where did you get that from? Because there's no awareness being. So it's like brands may have extended sizes, but they're not providing that advertisement or that promotion for it. It's like the age old saying, if you build it, they will come. And that's what we're doing. We're coming. Dexter Lawrence, the second, D-E-X-T-E-R-L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, -E, capital I, capital I, model. <laughs> and I love it. And Dexter is picking the San Francisco 49ers to win the Super Bowl. Much more to come on 7 Sports Plus on Extra Time. Did the Knicks do enough at the deadline to make a run at the NBA Finals? We talk to an expert to find out. Plus, an inspiring story of perseverance on the ice coming up next. The NBA trade deadline is coming on with both the Knicks and Nets making moves. The Knicks hope to make a championship push. We have more with Ryan Field. Now that the dust has settled, crazy to say it, but did the New York Knicks win the NBA trade deadline? I think so. That doesn't necessarily mean you win in June. Um, but if you look at the slate of teams, where they are in the standings, and what they did to get closer to the top, I think you have to look at the Knicks as the team that took the biggest step. I mean, Bogdanovich, 
coming over. Um, I'm a little bit less excited about about Alec for the for the Knicks. I know he was a nice fit there. Um, he doesn't have the best track record in, when it comes to playoff basketball overall. But the Knicks have totally remade themselves one year after making it to the second round. They're built around a, a rising star in Jalen Brunson. And um, as you well know, it's an exciting time to to be in New York for New York basketball. Yeah, and obviously they've had some health issues here as of late with OG and Randall and Brunson's ankle. But when this team is healthy with these two new pieces, kind of give us a sense of how much better this team has gotten and how deep this team can go in the playoffs. The Knicks are uh, probably higher than a top four team in the East now. Now you're looking at top three. Are they a top two? I think them and the Cavs are the two teams in the discussion when you talk about who who could challenge Boston in the East. So, uh, you know, and I mean, there was a nice playoff matchup between those two last year, and here they are again. And across the river, we expected the Nets to do some tinkering, and they did just that. Royce O'Neal goes to Phoenix. Spencer Dinwiddie, who some had said had kind of checked out in certain aspects here in recent weeks, kind of forcing the Nets' hand in terms of wanting a trade. He goes to Toronto, who's now getting, he will be released. Uh, but they get back Thaddeus Young and Dennis Schroeder. Talk about that deal and the return for Brooklyn. I was at the Nets game against the Warriors on Monday. Saw in person what had been suggested over the last couple of days about Dinwiddie and just kind of not being engaged like like they had hoped. Um, you know, you bring back a player uh, for me in Dennis Schroeder, who I think is underrated. You know, he's a pro. Uh, he plays really hard. Um, he's a two way player. You know, I also I love his trash talk. Um, I, I think he's he's really like he's a guy that the players can rally around. So as the Nets continue to make this transition, you know, sort of from where they were with their big three to where they are now, kind of taking a breather from that as they look into the next steps. I think that Dennis is going to be a good piece to have around. The NBA playoffs start April 20th and we can't wait. Joe, thanks so much for being with us. We'll talk to you real soon. Now a story of hope and inspiration, here's Sam Ryan. Stepping on the ice is something 12-year-old Jack Foley doesn't take for granted. He plays hockey with skill, determination, and with heart. Right as I learned how to skate, that's when I like put on full gear and then just started to learn from there. His nickname is Super Jack, and for good reason. You see, Jack was born with half a heart a condition called hypoplastic left heart syndrome, in which the left side of the heart fails to develop. He had three surgeries before the age of three. Dr. Emil Basha, New York Presbyterian, told me about the procedure he performed to essentially reroute Jack's heart. We truly re-engineer or, or re redirect the blood flow inside of the heart so that the right ventricle, which in a patient with HLHS is normal, so that the right ventricle is now the main pumping chamber. He did an amazing job with our son. And, you know, I'm just so grateful for it. Thanks to the procedures performed by Dr. Basha and the care of his Long Island cardiologist, Dr. Sean Levchuk, Jack is able to do what he loves, play hockey. They said that I could do hockey and that I could, uh, like, function like a normal kid with a regular heart could be. They call him Super Jack for a reason. He's, he's amazing. He's a perfect, perfect kid. I will always worry when he steps out there, when he goes to school, when he goes, you know, I will always worry. But I have to remind myself that he literally is a miracle on ice. 
He's the true definition of a miracle, and I am so proud to be his mom. And even more to be proud of, Jack now wants to help out other pediatric patients with a line of clothing, a portion of the proceeds going to the Companions Encouraged Foundation, which was founded by former Islander great Pat LaFontaine. Companions Encouraged Foundation is a like an amazing organization, so I'm just glad that I can give money to them and they can help other kids out that are struggling. I don't even think there's a word to describe. How proud we are. It's, it's very, very, very proud. Uh, I, I don't have enough words to say how proud we are, how, how he is and how he treats everybody. He is Super Jack. Sam Ryan, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Wraps up this edition of Eyewitness News Extra Time. Thanks for joining us. I'm Anthony Johnson. We're back on Eyewitness News at 11. We hope you join us then. Have a great evening.